again everybody to all of the veterans out there thank you for your service this is the street smart mental health podcast we are coming to you as always from the lou fuse automotive group studio my name is michael wellington and the man across the table from me is my tag team partner many of you know him as the natty king his name is brandon mcnamee brandon what is happening my man hey brother how you doing man i'm doing great man can't complain you know excited to talk to you about your story and kind of the metamorphosis of us putting this podcast together. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think that's, that's going to be a good, good, uh, good topic for us. We can ramble on and on with this one. I'm sure. Yeah. This is, <laughs> sure. this is right up our alley, right? Yeah. Bring me back. You know, I had a cool opportunity to meet your mom recently. Tell me about, you know, where you grew up, what, what part of town, you know, state of Missouri. Tell me about what it was like to be the, a young Natty King. <laughs> there you go. So let's see. 1988, born in St. Louis. Yep. Make me 35 this month. I'll be fucking this month. Dude. Get ready, baby. Yeah. Grew up in North County. Cut. Battlefield Drive in Pleasant Hollow. No co. Moved out here to St. Charles when I was 14, 13 or 14. Went to Francis Hall North after that. Graduated in 06 from Hall North, Hall North Knights. Met my wife. We moved out to O'Fallon and now in Wentzville, Missouri. And you guys have two little ones, right? Yeah, two. Uh, Annabelle is 12. And Aspen is three. Kind of separated them out pretty good with that shit. What an awesome name that is. <laughs> Aspen? Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. It's a great name. Yeah. But the wife had these crazy fucking ideas to name. She wanted to name her like Alaska. She wanted to name her. And I'm not, not against any of those names. Anybody listening got kids with those names, but I just was like, we've never been to Alaska. We, sure. uh, we don't have anything to do with Alaska. That's what I got. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> no. I think this is cool. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a lot of people listening that are from your uh, your beer group. Beer fam. They love you. Love it's ex- them. It's exciting to have them uh, involved in this because I think they're a real driving force behind you know, us doing this and us being able to start this. Let's go right there real quick. Let's talk a little bit about where the beer group came from, when it happened, and how you had the idea and, and what's happened ever since the start of it. Yeah, for a few years prior to the to the the beer group, as we're calling it, a lot of people on here know what that is. Some some may not. It's a Facebook group called "The End Is Near," so let's drink beer. And I started it April 2020, right when we were right when we were shut down, when the world was ending. Yeah, the fuck they wouldn't let us do anything. They said, "Hey, man, you can't hang out with more than ten people at a time." It was illegal. It was illegal to hang out with more than ten people, and I I just never done well isolating. You know, I need to need to mingle, talk to people, get out and interact. So. I started that Facebook page. But prior to that, backing up for years, I did uh, beer reviews on just record them with my phone and just sit there, drink a beer, three-minute long video, give a little description, whatever, yap it up, bullshit, and then send it off into Facebook world or Snapchat and all those other places. Got it. I actually kind of got a little bit of a following with that, which was interesting because it was just me in my kitchen drinking some beers. And then April 4th, 2020, two weeks into uh, the, two or three weeks into the pandemic, they're like... I'm like, shit, man, I, I, I'm bored as fuck. It was a Saturday afternoon. I was just sitting there completely by myself and in the kitchen. Uh, all my friends and family are afraid to go out of their houses because of the pandemic, and they're all thinking if they go outside, they're going to die. 
Wild times. <laughs> it was fucking crazy. Remember that shit? Where, where did the uh, name come from? Was that a name that you developed, or did somebody yeah, no, else I, throw no, that I just at you? Of, I was in the kitchen. I remember I was, I was in the kitchen with Cassie. I, I literally was like, I'm going to start a little beer group where we just drink some beers and stuff. Like, just a little, I even called it a beer group. I called it just a little Facebook group of people just hanging out, like, just hanging out. Post mm-hmm. some videos of them chugging a beer, you know, toasting to each other. I expected maybe like a hundred people, tops from my friend group, to, to to be in it. And I told her, you know what, and the end of the world's here. Let's, you know, I st- and I'm like, wait a minute, the end is near, so let's drink beer. I'm like, fuck it, that's. Beer. I love the name. I was like, that's a catchy little name, especially at that particular time. Yeah, everybody was thinking that. End of the world's here. Let's, yeah. And I'm like, fuck, let's drink some beer. Might what as well. What the fuck else we yeah. gonna do? <laughs> so. Um, I, I send that off, uh, you know, I, I sit down, I pull out my phone, I go to create group and I type it in. I put a stupid little cover photo of like this 102 year old lady chugging a beer and I just invited a bunch of my friends. And then I logged back on about an hour later, there was 3000 people in there in the group. Incredible. I logged in at the end of the night, there was about 10,000. Wow. Then I wake up the next day and there's 25,000. Wow, and just like, in a couple days. What is going on here? Amazing. Yeah. So we had 40,000 by the end of the week. <laughs> and then within, you know, within 2 or 3 weeks we're at 50,000 and then I was like, okay, shit. Now 50,000 people are in this group. And we're all, it was really just us drinking beers, toasting to each other, chugging a beer. Just, it would literally just be a guy sit there. He would open, turn his phone on, record it, say, hey guys, hope everybody's having a great Saturday. Hope everybody, uh, you know, uh, is getting through this shit okay. Let crack open a beer and he go, this here's to you. Toast it, pour it down his fucking head. And that was that. Like, yeah. click off the video. And then people would be commenting, hey man, hope you have a good day too. Hey, cheers, brother. Hope everything's, you know, hey, yeah, whatever, you know. That's just how it went. And then next thing you know, there's a whole bunch of crazy shit going on that's hilarious and funny little jokes, and people are starting to get a little theme going. And it was like, I looked at it, and I'm like, damn, dude, this is kind of, this is cool. I got a vo- I made a post, and I like, usually when I made a post on my regular page, I'd get 100, 200 likes, a little bit of interaction. I made a post as like the admin, and I was like, hey, welcome, blah, blah, blah. And I had like 2,000 likes, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, that is, that's a lot. And then the next one, I had like 2,000, 3,000, and I'm like, dude, all right, I have, I, I could do I could do one of two things here. I could let this be a shit show and just go in whatever direction it goes, or I can harness this responsibility and do some cool shit with it mm-hmm. if it's tamed and done properly. So I kind of treated it... Like this is a this is a, a blessing. It's a gift, and you've been given a voice. What are you going to do with it? I decided. All right, so let's sell some merchandise. So we made some shirts, merchandise. We donated the proceeds back to out of work servers. I'm like, let's throw a big ass party. Okay, we did one of the struggling uh, bars in town because of the pandemic. Did it at like ten more of them. You know, Sunday fun days at all these bars. Like, let's just fill the place. Do what we can. We started the tip the bill challenge. Which I didn't create that. That's somebody else's idea. It's been years ago. It's happened, but I kicked it off in the beer group on November fourteenth, twenty twenty. I sat down in Branson, and me and my wife had a pregnant server. She was like ready to fucking have that baby on my mashed potatoes, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Shit, man, this lady's like busting her ass, and you know, like the place is nobody's here." So I was like, "Let's just tip her what the bill is, and then you know what? It's not arrogant. Let's take a picture of it and let's post it. And encourage other people to do the same." And uh, still to this day, people are, you know, we we went through and we had a team of people look at the receipts because they all hashtagged and you can find them all, or most of them, and over a million dollars worth of tips posted to 
our group. And I've seen servers out that are like, hey, man, you're the people in that group helped keep me from losing my fucking house. Like, Absolutely. It's really cool. Yes. What a community that just... <laughs> Really kind of came, correct me if I'm wrong, but it came out of nowhere almost, right? I mean, uh, completely it just wrong. sprouted up out of the ground. Yeah. People have uh, posts go viral, which is helpful. I had an actual group go viral, which is how we got all the people in the same place. And they're all just awesome. They're awesome, man. We, we have these big blowout parties for sick children, raise a ton of money for them. Our, our one-year anniversary party was huge. We had over 5,000 people throughout the day, and we raised $40,000 for a family with a, with a sick child. Uh, rest in peace, Parker. And it's just been, it's been a ride. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, the thing that jumps out to me when, you know, obviously today you're telling me more, but I've talked to you about some other things. The amount of charitable help that you've been able to give people is truly amazing, brother. And I mean, I'm, I mean, I know I haven't known you that long, but I'm proud of you for that. I mean, that's an amazing accomplishment to be able to immediately have this community sprout up and then just kind of run with it and to be able to help the amount of people that you've helped. I mean, that is just, that's what it's all about. Thank you. Well, I, I cannot, honestly, I cannot, and I will not ever take the credit for that. It's the people that come together there and they're just so giving. They're just so giving this group of people. The other day I saw somebody posted that their daughter posted it in our group that their daughter, Aubrey was just diagnosed with uh, glioblastoma, which is a high aggressive uh, form of brain cancer. She posted a little picture of the little baby. She was like a year old, mm. maybe. So I posted it. I said, hey, dudes, if you guys can help, throw some money. Like, we do this often. Throw some money towards helping this this lady get the treatment she needs for her beautiful little baby. And thousands of dollars. And this was yesterday. I mean, just they just come together. It's awesome. No problem. They're like, hell yeah, we got, we got her. Phenomenal. <laughs> it's always. And it, they don't stop. They don't stop. And it's just, it's it's incredibly amazing to be a part of. Good. I mean, I can tell that it's something that you're passionate about and that you enjoy. And, you know, let's be honest, uh, I don't care who you are, to, to be able to help other people with anything is always something that uh, makes you feel good. And, yep. and when you can do it in a community the size of your beer group now, I mean, it's, it's really neat. And, and I'm, you know, I'm excited to be a part of this podcast with you and just to try and take it to the next level of trying to help more people that are dealing with things that both you have dealt with and that I've dealt with and just try to shed a little bit of light on, hey, what can we do to change people's outlook? And it seems like, you know, you, you've done all these great things on the charitable side. Let, let's go back a couple months, you know, maybe two or maybe three months ago when I first reached out to you. Yeah. And I, I kind of threw this idea at you. You know, it kind of goes under the umbrella with your group that you've already created. But was there anything that jumped out at you about the podcast situation that you felt was that, that got you excited that you, you know you could do something just a little bit different away from Facebook a little bit and just kind of create something new? If if you remember our phone call, I remember it well. The very first one, I was standing in my I was sitting in my garage at my garage bar watching TV, and you called. And I, I remember when you said, "Hey, I'm putting together." I'd never met you, never talked right. to you. This was two or three months ago. Never yeah. even. I mean, maybe not even three not months. Even, yeah. yeah. Immediately jumped at it. I was like, I don't even care about the details. Just let me know what we're doing. Yeah. Like uh, the mental health, the issues that 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 plague this country. Everybody and like so many fucking people deal with mental health or are affected by it by knowing somebody or loving somebody that has mental health issues. Right. And dude, to to be able to team up with you and just 
blast this shit out and just make it cool to talk about mental health make it cool to be like all these dudes and women as well obviously that are feeling shitty that don't talk about it it's, we're gonna make it the let's go let's talk about it it's cool to talk about it you know and I, it was really exciting to me to that that your story and what you do and what you've dealt with shit you wrote a book <laughs> I did. Sometimes I forget I you did wrote that. A fucking book, dude. <laughs> like that is that is cool as shit. You wrote a book, and and when Jay Boyd was like, "Hey, there's this dude that I know. He's a ten. He called you called you a ten out of ten guy." So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> High praise from Justin like, Boyd, our producer. I was like, okay. You know, he told me about you, and as soon as you called him, I'm like, dude, Michael, just let me know what we're doing. Well, the thing that got my attention when Justin told me about you, you know, I would I was down at Hot Shots having lunch with him because he handles all of our uh, media stuff and, and electronic stuff for Birdies for Bipolar, which is my foundation. He told me a little bit about you, and then towards the end of the conversation, he mentioned that you were getting the beer group together for what he called these, and maybe you call them that too, but these mental health meetups. And you were trying to get you know, a group together and you'd have somebody come in and talk and share their story about what maybe mental illness they had. And I thought, my first thought was, well, I got to meet this guy so I can come and talk to the group because that's kind of what I've done the last few years. As soon as he told me you were hosting or, or kind of planning and, and creating these, these mental health meetups, I was like, well, this is the guy that I got to meet. If I was ever going to do a podcast, like this is the guy. No, I appreciate that. So we did a few of them with uh, Good News Brewing and what yeah, tell me was, about what, those what, a little bit. What yeah. happened was, so we did a couple of them, and I'm still trying to, and I'd love to talk to you about this more. I'm still trying to get a a very solid, reliable date every month and time every month. It was kind of difficult in the beginning. We were doing it here and then doing it there. We did a few of them, and they were they were awesome. I mean, it would start off with just a little bit of light music. Guy, you know, we'd have a live live music just playing something. The guy's drumming on a fucking guitar, you mm-hmm. know? and then. We just mingle. Hey, where you want? Yeah, sit down right there. Have a seat. Get comfortable. How you doing? Good to see you. Blah blah blah. Here, want a beer? Grab a beer. Sure. It's not like a party. It's not a you know like some people see some of our. A lot of people were intimidated to come to them because they thought that it was like when we party, we party. I mean, we sure we, we party, and they thought it was like that. And I was trying to explain to them, it's not. It's a lot of us um, just sitting down, like talking. more community. Yeah, you know, yeah. than just party. A, just have a seat and grab a beer. Get something to eat. We're gonna get started in twenty minutes. Everybody gets quiet, you know, not dead silent, but they get quiet. We have a speaker on there, somebody that's been affected uh, by mental health issues. They speak for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, finish off a little bit of light music, and we tell them, hey, we're going to be sitting over here. If you want to have a one-on-one, just talk to somebody. There's, there's going to be this guy over here, that lady over there, and me over here. Just come pull up a chair. Love it. Let's have a beer, talk through some shit, and... You know, see at the next. And as someone who's been in a lot of different atmospheres to talk about mental health, I mean, I know a lot of people would say, "Well, why would I, why would I go to a bar or go to a restaurant to talk to a group?" But to me, that's when you can actually really get something accomplished because you let your guard down. Maybe you do have a drink, and you're just being honest, like you would with any friend of yours at a bar or restaurant. And I, I felt like when Jay Boyd told me kind of a, about these meetups that you were doing, I thought, man, that is a great way. Kind of, it's. it's it's an informal way for people to just to be honest, right. I felt like. Yeah, yeah, no, I could not agree. Dude, yeah, absolutely, could not agree more. And it was really cool to see. I had one one lady, she messaged me and she said, hey, I know you guys just got started. I'm an hour and a half away. Will you wait for me? And I'm like, sure. I mean, we'll be done by then, but I'll, I'll wait for you. She drove an hour and a half. She's like, I'm having a terrible time. We sat down together, talked for like an hour. She's like, I'm having a terrible time, blah, 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 blah. 
thanks for not blah. I'm not trying to write off what you're saying. Of course, saying blah. But you get what I'm saying. When we hugged at the end, she cried. She was like, "Thank you, that's awesome." And she got to talk to two other people. It was it was awesome, and that's what it was all about. And I'm real. And to anybody listening, and I know you guys have been asking me about it a lot. I'm going to get this ironed out to where it's a reliable date every month that we can count on at a place that everybody knows and just knows and doesn't have to ask, where's it at? When's the next one? What's going on? So I'm working on that. I promise I'll have it within the next week or two. I'll have it ironed out. But yeah. You know, it's interesting. You know, you talked about how when the pandemic first hit and you came up with the group, everybody was stuck in their houses. And and you just talked about this woman who drove an hour and a half. And that's exactly what we're talking about. Get yourself around people. Get yourself around like-minded people that are willing to share. You know, something you really said here a moment ago that was also awesome was that it's cool to talk about this stuff. People think that it's not cool, that you should shut up and not share these challenges. But the the only way to get past them is to talk about it. And, 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 you know, I think obviously you've done incredible charitable work in the community. The beer group is established. You know, this is wonderful community that you have. But I know just from getting to know you a little bit that your motivation to help people with mental illness and mental health challenges, it goes way back. It's a, it's a personal thing. It's a family thing. So tell everybody a little bit about what kind of drives you and what, what kind of experiences that you've had with your family, with your brother, that's kind of put you in this position to really take this to the next step and really go above and beyond to help people that are also struggling with certain challenges in the mental health area. Yeah. I, and I always like to, to say, you know, I'm not an expert, but I can tell you what I've gone through and what, what, what helps me. I, as far back as I can remember, I have dealt with anxiety, some form of depression, uh, OCD, ADHD, all that shit. And I, I remember being a little kid. I remember being like four years old. I remember having my first anxiety attack at four like, really? or four okay. or five. I was in kindergarten. Yeah. I know that. And I used to tell my mom all the time, I'd say, Mom, I don't know, but everything's moving really fast. I don't know why, but it's moving really fast. And she she remembers to this day that I would say that shit all the time. And, you know, I'd throw up every now and then randomly. And, you know, nobody nobody knew what the hell it was. I was throwing this kid. And then as I got a little older, I realized I was struggling with anxiety. I was just worried about shit all the time, worried mm-hmm. about everything. And I think it has a lot to do with how my father treated us. He was... He, he drank a ton, a ton, kind of eggshells all the time around the house. Okay. You know, always on eggshells. Wondering if he was going to snap, fucking lose his mind if it was too loud. If we were too loud somewhere, you know, we'd fucking lose it. And my brother and I, you know, we kind of dealt with that in different ways. He turned to uh, ultimately to drugs to, to tolerate and deal and cope with his anxiety. And I know, I know he, people say, you know, they choose to be, uh, they choose to be an addict and they choose this shit. And it's like, my brother chose whatever the hell would make him feel better from what he was dealing with inside. He felt like shit all the time, all the time. I mean, he was tormented. And people say that this guy was struggling. Was your dad the kind of guy you said you were walking around on eggshells around him? Was he the kind that would yell, the kind that would hit, the, guy, the kind that would verbally abuse? Uh, what, what verbally kind of- abuse, definitely, definitely scream. And he was a, you know, he's a, he was a bigger guy, you know, loaded with tattoos. Like he, okay. was, he was an intimidating guy. And your brother is younger than you. He, he was three and a half years. Younger. And is it just you and your brother and your family? Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's three, he was three years younger. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he was 91 when he born 1991. Okay. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was, it was, it was not fun. And, okay. And we, we dealt with them in different ways. And I, I would cope by getting outside, 
running around with my friends. You know, I would uh, try to read, listen to music. My brother kind of just he did he listened to music as well, but he just couldn't couldn't deal with it. And yeah, so he ultimately passed away in 2018 from a fentanyl overdose randomly. And that, I mean, this kid was like, he was my best friend. He was my, he was almost like a son to me as well. Sure. Because our dad would go to bed at six o'clock every night and, you know, because he was drunk. How old old was your bro when he passed? 27. Okay. Yeah. So he passed away when he was 27. Did you know he was into the the pills? Yeah. So he was out of, he was in prison for back and forth on and off from 2009 till 2018. And when he, when he last got out 2018, he got out on September 11th, 2018. And he was, he was fit. He was in great shape. He had a great mentality about him. Everything seemed perfect. We are like, dude, we finally got Nick back. He's ready to roll. Me and him were going to the gym that whole week together. He was the happiest I'd ever seen him. And then, fuck, out of nowhere, Monday, uh, September 16th, or, uh, he... Um, so five days after he got out? Six days, 17th. Okay. He, I, I always get the days mixed up because he was on life support for three days, and when he died and when he actually died, I, I don't know, it's all weird. But, yeah, he, he overdosed, and I remember being on the phone with my mom that's a tough one for me to talk about, but she, I'm sure it was. It was. She was like, "Hey, I haven't talked to Nick today," and this was about three thirty. She's like, "I haven't talked to him since like 11. He ain't answering his phone. I know he's at home." She's like, "I hate this fucking feeling, you know, because you know that feeling of maybe dealing with like you always." She's like, "He's back out now. We got to worry about his ass again." Parents know too, bro. Yeah. They just know. It's like a sixth sense. And she was like, she worked right up the street from home. She's like, I'm on the phone with her. She's like, I'm just going to run home. I'm like, I'm going to run home. I'm going to check. I'm going to see what the hell he's doing. I'm gonna, and I'm like, I'm going to kick his fucking ass whenever I get there. And mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'll stay on the phone with you. She's driving. She's like, oh, I hate this feeling. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? She gets there. She walks inside. And I remember it like crystal fucking clear. Walks upstairs. She goes, well, he's on the floor. And I'm on the phone with her. She goes, well, he's on the floor. And then, uh, Fuck. She just yells, sorry, hang on. You're good, man. You're good. I, I feel you. I get you. I, I understand. I mean, it's, a, uh, it's never easy to talk about what really happened. Yeah, and and just to help the, help the yeah. listeners understand, so he gets out on September 11th, and you feel like he's doing really well, like he's fit, yeah. He, yeah. he looks good, he sounds good. Yeah. And then just five or six, seven days later, you kind of have this situation kind of yeah. come about. Yeah, and she starts screaming his name and call 911, and it was uh, – I hear it every – Every day. Sure. I hear it all the time in my yeah. head. And that's probably, to be honest, that's probably a form of PTSD. Oh, oh, you know? man. Yeah. I mean, to this day, like, when it comes to, like, I worry about, you know, I, I, every time I check my kids, like, 15 times in the middle of the night. Like, of course. I'm, I'm, every time. I'm, I think that's Cassie natural. Yeah. Yeah. Every time Cassie, my wife, doesn't answer the phone, I'm like, I'm like, fuck. And she'd be like, I was doing laundry. And it's normal shit that should be right. normal. Like, any other husband would be like, she's probably doing laundry. But I'll call her three times within like an hour, and I'm like, I need to go home and check on my wife and kids. I yeah, need man. to go. I need to go. And it's like, no, you don't, dude. And I can't fucking break. Well, but to be to <laughs> be know? fair yeah. to yourself, though, when you or you or anybody else goes through something like that, that was intense like that, that went down with your brother and your mom, like that's gonna. And it's not. It wasn't really that long ago, right? Yeah, you, you, it's gonna have an effect. Time is gonna certainly help. But I mean, I I, I feel you know what you're saying, and and I, I understand that you're, you're you're a little hard on yourself when it comes to you know checking in on everybody because of what happened to 
me, what you're saying is actually very normal. I mean, I think if your if your reaction was different, I would think it'd be yeah, a little, it'd be wrong. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like especially when you got kids at home, and you know, I th- so I think you know, I know it's a it's a horrible topic and and discussion that that or not discussion but situation that happened. Um, but yeah, I mean, what you're talking about seems to me like the the natural reaction to somebody that went through something like that, especially when you, you were very close with him, right? Best friends, right? Yeah. And you're the big brother. I mean, I got a little brother too. Like I would be, yeah. I would be the exact same way, right? Like if something happened to my little brother in that fashion, I would be the precisely the same. So I feel where you're at with I that. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah of I mean, course. It's good, to, and, and you know, I, I appreciate you saying that because it's good to make. It's good to hear that I'm not. No, nuts. I think no. I think <laughs> you, actually I your better. response is pretty. I think how it would be for anybody well, that I had a brother. It, you know. Appreciate it, yeah. yeah, it's a it, it's it's a struggle every day, but. I, I and you know what? I'm just gonna be raw with everybody. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to make it better. Uh, it's something I struggle with immensely every second of the day. I, you know, I, I I'm hoping that honestly, this podcast doing this isn't really totally um totally selfless. I'm hoping to learn some shit <laughs> for yeah, myself. Man. You know what I mean? Like, no. I'm hoping that we can together. I mean, I'm hoping to find help myself. Yes, and, and I think you're gonna learn. Certainly, we've had already other discussions and other podcasts that we've recorded with different guests, and we've learned some things. And I know that I, I my situation and my story is different than yours in the sense that, you know, it wasn't a family member lost, but I've had to deal with serious depression. Happy to help you understand some of the things that I did to get out of that. But like, and we'll get into that at some, you know, moving forward. But so we talked about this the first night I met you. I want to come back to it a little bit. Is sure. when that all went down with your bro, and obviously terrible time with you and, and your mom being involved, and, and she's such a sweet lady. After meeting her, I, I can I can understand how you know it hit you guys so hard. Right after it all went down, you told me when I, the first night we had dinner that that stretch right after he passed, I guess it was maybe six months or a year, that was your biggest challenge. So oh yeah, how'd you get through that? Shit, because man. you because you did yeah, and you're yeah. here yeah. You know, what was, was there, was it Cassie helping you? Was it well, other certain people? I mean, what, yeah, what do you recall you're from su- that first six months or so? Yeah. So your support system's huge. My wife was, wife was a huge help. Um, my oldest daughter, Annabelle, huge help. Just, just having them be around you. That's, that's mm-hmm. huge, obviously. But dude, I didn't get out of bed. I mean, I, I was in bed all the, all day long. All I've experienced long. this as well, but yeah. keep going. Yeah. Like I just, I didn't, nothing sounded interesting. Nothing sounded fun. Nothing felt real. Kind of mm. felt like I was floating in a dream. Numb a little? Numb, but also outraged, angry. Yes. Angry as fuck. I, I get mean, that. I would, I would, uh, three o'clock in the morning, you'd see me, you know, every now and then on a bathroom floor screaming my fucking head off or running outside and just yelling at the fucking sky. Yeah. Uh, Had to get it out. Head. Yeah, I mean, I'm not not drunk or nothing. Just literally, yeah. just losing my fucking shit out of nowhere, just pissed off. And yeah. then also, but then I'd go back to that bed and I just fucking lay there. And I did, I mean, I literally felt like I was living in a unreality, like a nothing was real. Nothing. It was all a dream. You know, that's funny you say that because I feel like with my biggest depression struggles in the past, I felt kind of the same. Like it was fake, even though I knew I was alive and yeah. I knew I was doing things every day or whatever it might be, but. You know, there was times when I'd be stuck in bed as well. I couldn't get out. I had to literally throw myself out of the bed. We'll right. get into that later. Yeah. But I understand that thought process of like, 
it's like you're watching a television show, but you're you're just like that's it. Yeah, it's like it, watching a movie. Yeah, but you, you then you realize I'm fucking in this. Movie. Yes. Okay, this is not a movie. This is me. Yeah, man. Yeah, I know I, exactly. I feel that. You I get felt that. that too, oh then? yeah, oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. depression. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. So was, that's part of it. There's yeah. many there's many things that I've experienced with depression, but that's one of the feelings and kind of the until you. That's why I was asking you about the time frame, like. You know, how long did it take after he passed for you? You know, you, you're going to have that depression cycle, right? And then was there anything you mentioned your wife and your daughter? What were the things that kind of slowly but surely pulled you into a little bit of a better place in your mind? Um, what's crazy to think, so honestly, um, what helped me a lot was uh, wax melts and candles. And okay. I know you've noticed since we've had uh, the room, I see you have a candle time, thing. Every yes. time I walk in, yes. I light a fucking candle. Okay. And something about the sense and something yes. about the... Well, Really so I'll place. tell you this. What I learned, I had a wonderful doctor at WashU when I was struggling the most. This guy was a specialist in bipolar disorder and fighting depression. He would always talk about trying to awaken your five senses. Yeah, yeah. And the scent, the smell of the candles was probably something that, ate, that would, helped you. It would Honestly, I would, I would drive around. If I was in the car, if I was going somewhere, I would have a wax melt, like not a melted one. And I would just pick it up and just smell yes. it just to remind me that I'm alive right. and remind me I'm real. It was it was really, really something, man. And, and people are like, what the fuck are you carrying a wax mouth for? And I'd be like, because I just want to, I'm, no, I'm man. here, I'm here. I've told people before, like if I, in the past, if I've gone and, and done a talk somewhere about bipolar and depression, some people will say, well, and I'll tell them about the, the five senses, but I would encourage people to go ahead and get smelling salts. Well, which is which is even a little bit stronger, yeah, let's say, yeah. than the candles. But the point is, the sense of smell is actually something that can get your brain going yes, to pull yeah. you out of a depressive cycle. Right. There's no doubt. And clearly, as I've noticed since we've been at the podcast studios, you're a big candle every time, fan. Every so. time, yeah. every time. And hey, man, whatever you yeah. find. And that's yeah. what I think the beauty and the, the goal of our podcast is, right? Different people have different things that they do to feel well. Yeah. And if you found that the sense of a candle... It helps you, you know, kind of that, that scent gets yeah. your your mind going and your and the, your sense of smell activated. That's going to help. Fucking embrace it, absolutely, yeah. and other use people, it. Yeah, other people got other things too. Just do it. I mean, as long as you're not doing anything crazy harmful to yourself. I mean, I, I say more power to you. Yeah. Um, but also, I I dove into. I got to give a shout out to this YouTuber. His name's uh, Wonder Bro. Was his name is and he's got a Facebook or a, a YouTube page called Vacate Fear. So if anybody wants to look that up, just watch this dude's short videos. But he introduced me to the workings of Claire Weeks, and I've I think I've told you about this a little bit. Yeah, Claire Weeks was an Australian. I believe she was Australian. At least she sounded fucking Australian. But she was an Australian psychiatrist lady. Yeah, something whatever you call them. And this lady taught a lot about acceptance. I was doing a lot of pushing back against my anxiety, a lot of pushing back against my depression. I was do I was fighting it off. I was like, mm-hmm. get out of here. Go away, depression. Go away. Anxiety. Get the fuck off my, you know, go away. Yeah. And she taught that you just accept it, man. Just let it let it flow through you. Let it be there. Just learn to love your anxiety. Learn to love your mental health issues. And it sounds crazy and it sounds counterproductive. Like if I'm feeling depressed, why would I learn to love being depressed? But you just learn not to push back against it. You learn to recognize it. Stop, look at it, realize it's there, and just say, all right, it's here. It's my, it's my buddy. Mm-hmm. It's here with me. And by doing that, 
And the goal is not to do that so it goes away, because then it won't, because then you're just you're, you're you're really trying to push it when you do it when you have that mindset. But when you learn to live with it, and you learn to accept it, and let it be a part of who you are, you it genuinely becomes a lot more tolerable. Is the best way to put it. You feel a lot better as long as you have a true acceptance of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that helped me. I mean, I I swear, man. I watched those videos. I I got to tell you, I laid in that bed and I probably watched. Uh, 250 to 300 hours worth of this subject Claire Weeks acceptance method and it's it, it's what got me out of that bed and then once you had watched her stuff for a while was that when you you realized or it kind of I guess it hit you where you'd had enough new information that you learned from her that was positive and then was that six months after his passing, was or was about, that a year after? About four months. Okay. Four. Uh, well, it was about six months. Yeah, because it was about June, June. So six to eight months actually. June 2019. I was, you know, I, I was feeling fine. I was feeling better. Not fine, but yeah. I, was, I was. I was. Got my ass up. Got to work. Got to to doing what I had to do. We were halfway through expecting our second child at that point. Um. Yeah, I just got up, man. I yeah. got up and I was like, this is fucking, you know what? I can do, I can do this. And I just need to learn. I, once I applied the methods that I w- was taught, I felt okay. Yeah. And it seems like everybody's cycle or amount of time that they're stuck under the depression umbrella is different. You know, some people can be months at a time. Some people I know can be years at a time. Some people right. can be weeks at a time. And right. for you, it just happened to be that four to six month stretch, you know, you found something that now let me ask you this. This is, were, were you, were you watching her stuff because you knew you needed to, or just you, you found it and you were like, Oh, this is kind of cool. I stumbled upon it and it was captivating. First of all, if you pull this lady up, if you pull up Claire weeks and listen to her for five seconds, you're like, this is the sweetest little voice. It's, I mean, I used to fall asleep to listening to her talk about mental health and almost every night I would fall asleep to it for about That a is month like about the most amazing therapy you could give yourself is falling asleep listening listen to that kind to of stuff. Lady's fucking voice. I mean, it, rest in peace to her now, but she uh, she nailed it and and um, yeah, I just felt better. I felt better. So during that time, you didn't work. I did what I could. Yeah. Um, I'm a real estate broker and I I maybe I mean, I, I typically we're we're closing dozens of homes a year i was two or three mm-hmm. two or three homes in that whole six to eight months i was broke i was broke with a kid on the way broke mentally yeah yeah, yeah. and uh it's just you know it saved it saved my life to be honest with you claire weeks saved my life i i genuinely feel i don't know where i would be I don't think I would have made it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's awesome that you can recognize that she was a major catalyst to help you pull yourself out of that depression cycle, which, you know, everybody has to figure out their own way out of it, you know? Yeah. We've covered a lot of information here. Let's take a quick break and come back in just a minute. We've been here for over 70 years, giving back to community charities, local organizations, and youth athletics. And now we're the official automotive sponsor of St. Louis City SC. We've been here, providing the best car buying experience to our customers. Lou Fuse, we are here with the respect you deserve for 70 years and counting. Welcome back to the Street Smart Mental Health Podcast. We're going to get right back to it. 
by the time you got out of that, were we in 2019 at that point? Yeah, June 2019 or so. I started doing some more beer reviews and mm-hmm. engaging with people on the internet. I know the internet can be a shitty place. It can be a it can be you know dangerous. A lot of people will say, "Get the fuck off the internet, man! Get out and talk to some people in real life." Um, I met a lot of really good people through my Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people that I call family. A lot of people that I call best friends. A lot of people that were there, and I interacted with them. You know, and then I started the Facebook group that was really just to interact with people like mm-hmm. I was doing. And it just, here we are. Yeah, usually the best things that are created are the ones that you're really not even trying to, like this with your beer group. I mean... Organically. Uh, yeah. yeah, they just kind of happen because they're supposed to happen. Yeah. You know? And, and between that time when you kind of, you got well and now, have there been anything, any different things that you've done on purpose to try to maintain the the good mindset and stay away from negative town and, and keep yourself out of depression? Uh, I try to stay busy. I have, I think I'm running five businesses right now. Um, That'll just, keep you busy. Yeah, I, I got, I mean, well then, yeah, and then we throw in the podcast we're doing too. That wouldn't call it a business, but obviously, but it's a commitment. So I have about five or six full-on commitments right now that I am committed to every single day. And I just stay busy and I just, I try to, I try to help help out where I can. It, it it makes me feel good to help people out, honestly. So I mean, again, it's not right. selfless. <laughs> I feel I feel good when I do something good for somebody. Well, it's an important point. I mean, I think, and I'll be the first to tell you, when people are bored, that's when depression and anxiety and and negative thoughts can creep bored, in. Sure. But yeah, but when if you can keep yourself busy, no matter what it is, whether it's whether it is something where you're making money, or even if it's just something you're passionate about where you're not making money, keeping yourself busy really is like a fundamental thing that people forget about. Absolutely, you know. Absolutely, it, yeah. But that's that's my that's my story, man. That's what I'm doing. I'm just trying to make the best of every day. Trying yeah, to stay man. busy and trying to make sure I help out where I can and taking my uh, commitments and my responsibilities, such as the beer group, seriously and doing what I can with them. You guys have any events coming up? Yeah, we're going to do. So Titanic's coming back to the movie theater. Uh, Is that right? Yeah. I didn't like know that. Weeks. I'm going to rent out a... Uh, we're gonna run out of movie theater, and we're gonna we're gonna go to a big dinner, big group of us. Or I'm gonna see who, how many people we can get. I don't know, but big fancy dinner. We're gonna dress up like they did in the Titanic, and, really, and that, in that dinner that scene or whatever. And then we're gonna go to a movie theater, and we're gonna drink some beers in it. We're gonna we're gonna boo every time Rose comes on the screen because she's a fucking nightmare. And uh, <laughs> I got a whole I got a whole tirade about about Rose, man. But yeah, and then obviously our three year anniversary is coming up in April, and yeah, we got a ton of shit in the books. A ton of shit in the books. Mental Good. health meetups. We're gonna start. We're gonna start revamping those. Hopefully, have our first official one back in February, and keep them going monthly from there. No man, I mean, tip of the cap to you. If you can continue and with these mental health meetups, man. I mean, obviously, we'll do everything we can on the podcast to to raise awareness and you know help people along the way. But like actually getting people in person together with mental illness and mental health challenges being the subject matter like that is that's groundbreaking that's that's game changing that's the kind of stuff that everybody needs because you know people you know you can go to a doctor and that's fine and some of these doctors are you know they're very well educated but they haven't a lot of them haven't lived the situations that people struggle with you know experienced it personally yeah, yeah. They, they've read that this is what happens and this is what 
the, the patient feels like. Mm-hmm. This is what the patient's symptoms he describes, he has. But until you've actually lived it, and I'm not going to knock them. I mean, doctors, they're smart. They know what they're doing. They're, they're pretty smart people, obviously. They're fucking doctors. But I think there's something to be said about experiencing it yourself. 100,000%. And having an intimate relationship with mental illness because you yeah. yourself live with it every single day. The other thing that I love about your mental health meetup situation is that there's going to end up being people that come to those that have a certain condition, whether it's depression, anxiety, bipolar, schizophrenia, whatever. And they may be, it's likely that they're going to connect with another person that has it. And exactly. that is when it becomes super relatable. Exactly. When I meet, when I meet somebody that has bipolar, which happens a lot since I have bipolar, it's easy for me to talk to them, right? Because we already know we have that in common. When, when people come to your beer group and somebody says, Hey, I've been struggling with anxiety. Well, somebody two stools down at the restaurant, or the bar is going to be like, well, I have the same thing. Let's yeah. let's talk about compare it. your coping. Yes. compare your fucking understanding. Compare your experiences. Yeah, and and just know that you're not alone with this shit. Oh, at all? No, hundred percent. You know, the guy across, like literally two stools down, has the exact same shit that you're feeling like you're all yeah. alone in this world with. It's crazy. And I think these days, you know, things are expensive, right? And a lot of people used to tell me that, hey, I don't, I can't afford therapy. I can't afford a talk therapist or a counselor. I said, you know what? You don't need to pay a doctor. You need to go and talk with someone that maybe has a similar condition or maybe somebody that you trust or somebody that you value their opinion. And that's just as good a talk therapy as going into some doctor's office and laying on a couch. People need to understand that. 100%. You know, talk therapy can be done anywhere with anyone. It doesn't have to be... It doesn't have to be a professional in a room in the bottom of a church. Exactly. I mean, nothing against it. No. But yeah, dude, you can... You can find a group of people to support you and sit with you and have the same issues fucking anywhere, almost anywhere. Yeah, man. Just got to ask for it. Got to talk about it. No, no. Uh, Amen. This is great stuff. As always, we're coming to you from the uh, Lou Fuse Automotive Group studio. This is the Street Smart Mental Health Podcast. He's Brandon McNamee. I'm Michael Wellington. We will be back with you next time on Street Smart Mental Health. Love yous.